What would you think if I told you that there was someone who is praying for you, and that someone was offering perfect prayers to God on your behalf? Coming up, you do have such a perfect intercessor. Find out more next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos. Well, today we return to our hope-filled and powerful series, More Than Conquerors in the Darkest of Times. Now, I want to tell you, dear friend, that uh, brace yourself for incredible encouragement in today's episode. I'm really excited to bring you this uh, important information And yet, as the title says, more than conquerors in the darkest of times. The time in which I am recording this episode in July of 2020 is very dark indeed. The COVID-19 pandemic has surged again in many parts of the country. That's caused a huge amount of uncertainty. On top of all that, as if that wasn't enough, there's racial unrest and tensions. There are riots, lawlessness, violence, destruction, and rampant crime going on in many cities. There's economic distress and unemployment. It's all very frightening and indeed hopeless if if God did not exist. But God does exist now, here. He is the same good, sovereign, and mighty God today, even in these dark times, as he has been throughout all of eternity. He is our sole source of real, unfailing hope. He is with us. He is for you, believer, because of what Jesus has accomplished for you. That's why I interrupted this series to bring the last three episodes and a mini-series called Such Costly Love. God led me to pause this series and refocus our attention on the fact that God loves you and I so much that he sacrificed all his own precious son, that you and I would be brought into all the good that God has for us. And this series, More Than Conquerors in the Darkest of Times, is a powerful, life-changing study of Romans 8.15 to 39. And the anchor verse of this series is Romans 8.37, which says, Yet in all these things, and the things, all these things that are listed are seven top-level horrible things that people can go through, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know, it may seem incomprehensible that we, in the midst of such darkness, could be winners, champions, or even more than conquerors. 
You see, we have no such ability to do that in and of ourselves. But do you see in Romans 8.37 how we are more than conquerors? It says, through him who loved us. Through means by means of him, another person altogether beyond ourselves, who loved us. And we are indeed, and in fact, more than a conqueror. The scripture verse doesn't say that we're becoming more than a conqueror. No, no, no. The Bible plainly declares that we are already more than conquerors precisely because of him, the Lord Jesus Christ, our conquering king, because of him who loved us. And notice, please, that's in the past tense, loved us. And when is that speaking? When we were ungodly, unrighteous, we could have cared less about God, Romans 1.18, that we were walking the course of this world, driven by Satan, the prince of the power of the air, conducting ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and as it says in Ephesians 2.3, in chilling fashion, by nature, children of wrath even as the others. Oh, but God's powerful, life-transforming love met us in that awful pit of sin, self, and Satan, and he saved us. Oh, I can't get over Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Let me read this to you. It's so good. If you can even turn, that's even better. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy. You see, I started off this podcast by saying, looking at these horrible situations we're going through at this present time or whatever crisis you are personally going through, and it can look so hopeless. It can thrust us into despair if there was no God. But he is but God, Ephesians 2, 4 says, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. Do you hear the incredible, powerful intervention of a loving God? Even in the midst of our worst, he came in, loved us. And as it says in Ephesians 2, Five made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. As I'm reading that, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm thinking of the old a black preacher in the center city who said he reached down to the guttermost to save me to the uttermost. That is good. And that is our God. And he did it. Verse 7, Ephesians 2, 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ 
Jesus. Dear frightened, anxious friend, listen to me. That is powerful, indeed overcoming love that conquers all. And it's precisely because of that that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. May I give you some important advice at this juncture and going forward. If you were to take the truth of what it says, boy, all of Romans chapter 8 is incredible, and Romans 8.37, that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. But if we look at ourselves, we go, I, I can't see that. Well, of course not. You're looking in the wrong direction. Dear friend, take my advice. Move your eyes from yourself to your Savior, to the one who is the mighty conqueror in love and discover that through him, who loved you at your worst, you are indeed more than conquerors through him who loved us. I say those important things to bring you and me great hope in the midst of these frightening, confusing, and stressful times, and also to set us up for what's coming today. Today we're in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27, and I started off the podcast with this idea that, do you know that Almighty God himself is right this minute praying and interceding for you? Not only that, but God's precious Holy Spirit enables us to pray and intercede with high precision, not just for us, but for others as well. So let's read our text for today, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27. Before we do, let's go to the Lord of the Word that we would find out more uh, Uh, about his word for us. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you right now for the Holy Spirit who is living inside of me, who understands me better than I understand myself and understands the circumstance that I am going through, the crisis that I would be going through better than I understand myself and our listening friend is going through. And Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that connects us in our need with your great conquering love that fills us with hope and so much rich provision. Now, Father, I pray, thank you that you speak. You speak and communicate with us because you are that loving And Father, I pray that by your word, the Holy Bible, and by the Spirit who inspired that Bible, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, flooded with light, that we would know what is the hope of our calling, what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power that works 
within us. The same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead and raised him up to seat him at the right hand of God the Father in the heavenly places. I thank you for that. And I I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to be doing in my life and in the life of my listening friend. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friend, we're ready for the word. That prayer for revelation reminds me of the uh, idea of priming a pump. Um, when I was a boy, uh, my grandma, Mame, lived in central Wisconsin on the family homestead, 88 acres. And uh, there was a well, two wells that she had on her property. One was right by the house, and it was a regular motorized well. But there was a well that she – that was – the country lane a piece where we would have to uh, go with some buckets. And uh, there was an old pump out at that well, a hand pump. And uh, we had to make sure that we brought some water to prime the pump. Because if you didn't prime it with the water, you couldn't pump anything. And there was a couple of times that we kids would bring the buckets, but forget to bring some water with the buckets. We get to the pump and go, oh no. And we, you know, try to pump that creaky old pump and it would not produce a drop of water. So we had to walk all the way back to grandma's, fill up one of the buckets with some water, take it back to the pump, prime it. And then we would start pumping and I can still hear that thing you know, creaking, 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 and then the water would just come gushing out. This is a lot the same way. That's why before you go to God's Word, prime the pump of revelation by going to the God of the Word. And He will do that through the Holy Spirit. So many Christians um, miss out so much in what God wants to speak to them from the Word of God because they aren't priming the pump by praying as as described in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 16 all the way to the end of the chapter verse 23 for that spirit of revelation to be in operation and so I do that at the beginning not as some sort of religious habit but because I need it you need it too okay well here we go Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 26, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to to the will of God. Wow. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us. Verse 26 in the Amplified reads like this, and it's so good. It does an excellent job of rendering the biblical Greek. It says this, So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weaknesses. That's incredible. The Holy Spirit coming to our aid. You can just see him rushing to our aid like a mother or a father who hears the cry of their child and runs to their aid. Same thing. That's what the Holy Spirit does and bears us up. 
like that parent lifting that child that's in need, picking them up, bears us up in our weaknesses. And where does this aid of the Holy Spirit, this bearing up, this help of the Holy Spirit take place? Would you believe it? Of all places, it happens in the midst of our weaknesses. Here in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, the grammar, the grammatical form is what's called a locative of sphere. And it refers to the fact of an action that takes place in the realm of where something exists or occurs. In other words, the Holy Spirit's help happens in the realm of, in the midst of my weaknesses. Now you notice it says, weaknesses, plural. The very places of weakness in our lives is precisely the place where the Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up. Why? Because that's how much God loves us. This is exactly the same thing that Paul shares in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Remember the situation there. He begged God three times in prayer to remove a messenger of Satan that was buffeting his life. And here's what God said. God, verse 9, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength, God's strength, is made perfect. Literally, that means to be complete or brought to full measure in weakness. There it is again. The power of God meeting us, bearing us up, strengthening us in the realm of our weaknesses. That's what 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says. God's strength is made perfect, brought to its full, complete measure in the midst of of my weakness, your weaknesses. Now, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the second part of verse 9, listen to Paul's response to this. He says, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. (laughs) You know, when you think about your weaknesses, your problems, your infirmities, even your sins and hang-ups— That's usually not something you want to talk about to anybody. And you think, man, I don't see how anybody would want to help me, miserable me. Well, you know what? That's exactly where God's strength and grace shows up. You see, we are the weak creature, and God is the almighty creator. By definition, the creature, you and I, is weak. That's why we need God. Oh, and praise him that he's so good and such a loving father. And the Holy Spirit is sent by God the Father right there to help us, right there in the midst of our weaknesses, failures, and crises. And why do we need the Spirit's help in our prayers Back to Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. You know, many times, especially in times of crisis, we have no idea what or how to pray. 
In fact, all many times, all we can do is whimper, help. And that's okay. Look what our loving God does for us through the Holy Spirit. Here's the rest of verse 26. In the Amplified Version, it says, But the Spirit himself. I just love that. The Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. The Spirit himself. God is such a personal God. This is God himself. The Spirit who is one with the Father and the Son. God himself through the Holy Spirit, personally takes up our plea. Have you ever had a really difficult situation and didn't know what to do? And then you met someone who is very skilled at handling a problem just like yours. Maybe it's a doctor or a lawyer. And that doctor or lawyer says to you, look, I know what needs to be done, and I'm going to intervene to take care of this problem personally for you. Now, what encouragement you had when they offered to personally and directly take care of your difficulty on your behalf. Well, that is exactly what the Spirit does for us. Again, in the Amplified of verse 26, the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf. You see, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what is going on with you and me. He understands your crisis better than you ever could. Look, he even understands you better than you understand yourself. Wow, that's our God. And this Pleading on our behalf is not begging an unwilling God to change his mind about miserable us. No, this is in fulfillment of our Heavenly Father's wishes. The holy intercession of the Holy Spirit pleases God the Father. And this is how Father God gets things done. He does it through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Holy Spirit. I often think of it this way, from the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, to you. Now, the last part of verse 26 says this, with groanings that cannot be uttered. This goes beyond the limitations of mere human language. You know, at some point you're going through a situation and you think, I don't even have words to figure, to express what I'm going through. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit gives us utterance of things that go way beyond the limitations of natural human language and ability. This is extremely powerful. And I believe that this also involves the gift of a supernatural prayer language given to us by Jesus with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And here's what the Bible means when it refers to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. According to the Bible, the believer experiences three baptisms. And here's a quick explanation of a few important things to keep in mind before we talk about those three baptisms. First, the Bible Greek word for baptism is baptizo, which means to fully immerse. Second, keep in mind as we go through these three baptisms that there is first a baptizer, that is the person who is doing the baptizing or the immersing, and second, to keep in mind, is what we are baptized into. All right, so first keep in mind there is the one who is doing the baptizing, the baptizer, and second, that is what we are baptized into. We're baptized in Christ, in water, in the Holy Spirit. Those are the three baptisms. Now, the first baptism happens when we're born again. This is the baptism into Christ. Now, the baptizer in this case is the Holy Spirit. And he is the one who baptizes us in, immerses us into Christ. And this is linked to all of the in Christ things that are mentioned in the New Testament some 200 times. So the first baptism The Holy Spirit is the baptizer, baptizing us into Christ. Now, the next two baptisms can happen, um, not necessarily one first and then the other. They could happen in uh, either order. But to lay it out, I'm going to have an order here. After this first baptism into Christ, when we're born again, there are two more baptisms, and they are water baptism. Many of us are familiar with that. And in that case, the baptizer is a human being who immerses us in water. We're baptized into water. And this is a powerful testimonial to the Spirit baptizing us into Christ, that first baptism mentioned just a moment ago. And then the third baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In this case, the baptizer is the Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist foretold of Jesus doing this when he said uh, that Jesus would baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's in Matthew 3.11 and Luke 3.16. This is when Jesus is the baptizer who baptizes the believer into the Holy Spirit. And this brings about a supernatural anointing and empowerment to carry out the Great Commission. Now, one of the manifestations of this third baptism, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, is speaking in tongues. And uh, in Acts chapter 2, when the early church was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, remember they were gathered in the upper room in one accord, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. Acts chapter 2, verse 4 reports, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, watch this, and began to speak with other tongues, just as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, 
to be sure, the tongues or languages that they spoke were known languages, but they weren't native languages. Uh, you know, they were Galileans for the most part. People were saying, man, I'm hearing them speak my language. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 clarifies all of this. It speaks of the gift of tongues in two ways. The first is the public gift of tongues, and that happens in the context of the church. Now, this gift is not given to all believers. It's given to some, but not all. And it should be followed with an interpretation of that tongue so that the body is edified. So that's the public gift of tongues spoken in 1 Corinthians 14. The second instance of the gift of tongues spoken of in 1 Corinthians 14 is the private gift or personal gift of tongues, or what some have called the prayer language. And that is given to all believers who are baptized, that third baptism, into the Holy Spirit. And here's what this prayer language is like. In 1 Corinthians 14.2, it says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mystery, mysteries. In 1 Corinthians 14, 14 to 15, it says this, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, when we pray in this tongue, we can hear ourselves speaking, but we don't know what we're saying. Now you go, well, what good is that? Well, in verse 15, it says, What is the conclusion? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Also in 1 Corinthians 14, it says that he who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds up himself. So that's the prayer language that is given with the baptism of the Holy Spirit to all believers who are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is at least a part of what is spoken of in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, when it says that the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We don't know how to utter it. It goes beyond human language. It is the Holy Spirit who gives us the utterance to pray. You know, there have been many times in my life where I didn't even know how to pray or even what to pray for. I was burdened. But I thank God for the Spirit's intercession who goes beyond the limitations of my human language to express the deep things of God, praying in accordance with the will of the Father. And now we get to God's perfect intercession for you. What would you say if I told you that there was a prayer partner who was totally committed to pray for you no matter what? And that prayer partner understands you perfectly, even better than you know yourself. And here's the most important part of all. That amazing prayer partner perfectly knows 
the will of the Father. I think you would say, along with me, get me that prayer partner right now. Well, guess what, believer? You already have him. That's right. He is the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this in Romans 8.27. Now he, and that refers to the Father, who searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Here is this verse in the Amplified. And he who searches the hearts of men and knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit, what his intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints, according to and in harmony with God's will. You get the idea that the one who is searching our hearts— knows what the one who is bringing this intercession for us, the Holy Spirit, is saying and connects in perfect harmony with God's will. Now, it says here in Romans chapter 8, verse 27, he who searches the hearts. And I want to bring some clarification about this. And to do that, we're going to go to Psalm 139, verses 1 to 4 for a moment. If you can turn there, Psalm 139, beginning in verse 1. You see, we we see here in this psalm that God knows us better than we know ourselves. The psalmist says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. That's in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4. Romans 8.27 and Psalm 139 says that God searches us. Now, look, this is not like a police officer coming up to you with flashing lights and a search warrant. No, God is not investigating you to catch you in your sin and punish you, as religious folks would have you believe. No, this is this searching of God is a knowing and personal searching. Again, Psalm 139, verse 1, you have searched me and known me. You know, I can't tell you how encouraging that is to me, that God knows me, warts and all, and he is the one who in love leads me to the better place. Romans 8.27 also says that God also knows what the mind of the Spirit is, the one who intercedes for us. It says, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Do you see it? There is a profound connecting here between, on the one hand, the Spirit's pinpoint accurate intercession, even searching of us, and second, God's will. And this is all happening as it says in verse 26, in the midst, in the realm of our weaknesses. Listen to me, burdened, frightened, and anxious one. 
God is for you, not against you. And we're going to get into that a lot more when we look at Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 34. He is for you, not against you. God knows your weaknesses. He knows your crisis. God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. Remember, he loved you at your worst. Wouldn't he love you today? And remember that God himself takes up your need through the person of the Holy Spirit and personally brings perfect intercession for you, connecting your need, even your crisis, with God's infinite supply and perfect will. And that is all through the one who loved you at your worst. You are indeed, through that one, more than a conqueror, through him who loved you. And that, dear friend, changes everything. Let's pray. Father, my my heart is filled with gratitude when I think that you are the God who sees us. And Lord, my mind goes back to Genesis chapter 16, Hagar, the servant woman in whom uh, Abram had brought forth the son Ishmael, and uh, Hagar was cast out into a remote desert place and in incredible Want and crisis of need, there was her little child who was whimpering and dying because that child couldn't even get water. And I remember, Lord, how you met Hagar, even Hagar, in the desert, in her crisis, and met the need. And she said that you are the one, the God who sees Jehovah Jireh. That's what Jireh literally means, the God who sees, the God who sees to it. Thank you, Father, that you, through the Holy Spirit, searches out the need, the situation, knowing us personally and intimately, not to shame us, oh no, but to aid us, to bear us up, to help us in our time of need. Thank you, Father, that you, in love, through the Holy Spirit, bring this perfect intercession that connects our need with your perfect will. And thank you, Father, that it all happens through him, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us. Continue, Father, by the Holy Spirit to bring deeper revelation in the coming days and weeks about this powerful truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friend, thank you for choosing a better path. Even in the darkness, that's why you went out of your way to listen to this podcast episode. 
And I'm thankful that your better path has led you to this message of real hope today. Thank God for his amazing love that makes us even more than conquerors. Thank God for his sovereign intervention, even in crisis. Thank God that you and I have real hope for an even better tomorrow. And it's all because of him who loved us. Now, friend, tell it to others. So many around you are really, really hurting in this crisis. And Christ in you is their hope of glory. That's what it says in Colossians 1.28. He is the answer they're looking for. And I want you to, to be bold and realize that the darker the night, the more the light shines brightly. That's what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15 that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That's over in Philippians chapter 3. We have a role, we have an important mission that has been given to us by God. The light is shining brightly through you, dear friend. And that's a tremendous encouragement. Don't ever forget it. And uh, dear friend, to help you to do that, I want to encourage you to share this ministry with them. Let them know about the Daily in Christ podcast. Let them know about our ministry website at dailyinchrist.org. God wants to work miracles in you and through you to his glory. I'm Mark Van Oos, reminding you once again of what it says in Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him.